Welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you're tuned in online, awesome. Glad you're tuned in online. But my message to you online is you've got to come experience it live. There's nothing like being here singing, worshiping, and being in this environment, in community with us. So come. We'd love to get to know you. Love for you to come visit and check us out live. But if you're here live, awesome. You made it. So glad you're here. My name is Myron Jellison. I'm the Next Gen Pastor. And today I get to talk about and have a conversation about the Holy Spirit. This, this, this uh, series is called Ghost Stories. Now, when I heard this series title, it was really fun for me. I was like, oh, I, 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 a ton of memories came flooding back to my brain. A lot of memories that went something like this. Right? I know, it's kind of creepy, but have you ever been sitting in a tent or, or in a group, a circle of people, and usually the older kids are trying to scare the little kids? This is true in my life. I had a lot of older brothers and, and cousins, and we would be sitting in the tent when we go camping. And even some of the older uh, cousins and brothers would go outside and break sticks and like scratch on the side of the tent, you know, and try to creep us all out. So we were telling ghost stories. So I thought, how fitting. I will just give my entire talk and message like this, like I'm telling a ghost story. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. That'd be weird. That's spooky. That's scary. We're not going to talk about ghost stories in that way. We're not, as Micah said, this is a conversation about the Holy Spirit and who he is and a non-spooky look at it. Okay, at him. So my, 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 my talk today and the conversation I want to have is that he is a person. Okay, I want us to understand that and realize that, that he is a person. And it changes your faith. It changes the way in which you will interact with God, your heavenly father, the creator of the universe. It changes everything when we recognize and accept and know that he is a person. Now I have to confess something. I grew up in church and I've always known about the Holy Spirit and I've always believed and been taught that he is a person. But throughout the years, my vernacular would not reflect that. I say it all the time, probably just like some of you do. I use that, that, that pronoun to identify the Holy Spirit as an it. I give you permission today. If I refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, you get to shout he. Let's try it. The Holy Spirit, it has power. He, he you guys are awesome. And now what? You have to, guess what? You have to pay attention the entire time because now you have to correct me whenever I say it wrong. So I'm working on it. I'm starting to build that new habit. I know he's a person, but I just want to always use the right pronoun of he to give him the credit that he deserves of being a person. He's not an it, okay? He is not a force. He is not some mystical power. He is a person. And it's very clear in scripture, okay? And it's really important that we know this because there are whole, the whole groups of churches and believers and really theologians who study the scriptures and will tell you that he is not a person, that he is a power or a force. Like, like you know, like Jesus said to his disciples, may the force be with you, right? And then they're running around doing all this crazy stuff with the force. Like, I'm about to choke you out right here in the front. We're like, I'm about to use the force to choke you out. No, like, we're not going to use that. It's not a force. It's not a power. It is, he is, he is, he is, you should have corrected me. He is a person. And Jen read some scripture, a lot of scripture last week, and we saw this over and over again. He will come. Who? The Holy Spirit. He will help you. He is your advocate. He will teach you. He, he, he. And all throughout scripture, we see this, that it's not a person. He is a he. Yeah, you guys are on your toes. I love it. Okay. Now, if he's not a person, okay, then you can't have a personal relationship with him, right? If he's not a person, if he's simply a force or a power, you cannot engage and have a personal relationship with him. You won't have a conversation with him. Why would you have a conversation with a power of force? If he's not a person, you wouldn't talk to him. And that's why it's so important for us to realize and understand and know that he is a person. 
Now, I, I have these moments in my life where I think I know better than God. Anybody else have those moments in your life where you're like, God, here's, here, here's what you should have done. Like, here's the situation in my life. Here's the solution. God, make it happen. Because you think you know better than God. And I think I've, made, I've had this thought that I think I know better than God in this instance of why I have used the, the it, you know, why I've called the Holy Spirit an it, and why we and some groups of people have not recognized him as a person is because of his name. God, you misnamed him is what I'm thinking. So here, here's my advice to God. I said, God, you should have named him Bill, right? You know, like I can have a conversation with Bill and, and we all get that and can relate to that. Hey, Bill, like I, I, you have a lot of expertise in this area, Bill. Will you show me? Will you teach me? Will you help me, Bill? Because he's a person and we can engage with him and ask him and talk with him and ask for his help and insight and for him to teach us, you know? And then if you go to the formal churches, they could call him William, you know? And then, and then if you go to some crazy wild church, they call him Wild Bill. You know, they call him Billy. It's my boy Billy. You know what I'm saying? All right. His name is not Bill. His name is not Bill. His name is not even the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. His name isn't even uh, the Holy Spirit. His name is God. His name is God. And Jen talked about this last week in the first, the first uh, conversation of this, this topic, the Holy Spirit, that, that he is God and his function is the Holy Spirit. His name isn't Bill. <laughs> his name isn't the Holy Spirit. His name is God, and his function is the Holy Spirit. So think about this for a second. You probably heard this if you've been around in church or read scripture. You see God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit, right? So it's three persons, but one God. And we call that the Trinity. And Jen hit on it a little bit last week. And I encourage you and challenge you to go study more. If you're confused about that and, and, and you want to know more about the Trinity, go, go search scripture, go search out some good resources to learn more about that. I can't do that today. I don't want to go down that road today. But God the Father, we get the function of the Father. We can see that. We get that. We understand that. God the Son, Jesus, we see his life through scripture and, and what he taught. And it's recorded in the Bible. We get what his function is. Okay. And he's a person, but we get to the Holy Spirit and that the the Holy Spirit makes it a thing, makes it an item and we get tripped up on the name. But I want us to understand his name is God and his function is the Holy Spirit. And and his function is to show us all truth and to lead us into all truth. So I want to show you or or, or I want to investigate what makes a person a person or understand what makes a person a person. Then go investigate scripture and see where the Holy Spirit is a person. Right? So <clears throat> I want to do that, and, and, and I want to first define what a person is. Okay? You are a person, and you're sitting in your chair. Does that make the chair a person? No. Right? So what differentiates you from the chair? Some would probably say life. Life is why you are a person. But doesn't a tree have life? Yes. And a tree is not a person. So what's the thing? What, what makes a person a person? And I would say it's this. Okay? You exhibit a personality, right? A personality. You are you because of your personality. You're unique to you. Nobody can be you. And we're all different because we all have our own personality. A tree cannot exhibit a personality. It's just a tree. It does what it was designed and functioned to do. That's it. It doesn't have a personality. And take it one step further and and use like a theological or biblical term, we have souls. Okay, we are eternal beings because of our souls. Trees don't have that. Although there probably are some groups of people who would try to argue that they do have souls, but they don't. You and I, people, a person has a soul. And I want to take it one step further. We have a mind, okay? We have a mind. And that mind is the non-physical part of you. What makes you you, the non-physical part, is your mind. 
Now, there's this really smart lady. Her name is Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She has been a neuroscientist for over 30 years and a communication pathologist, really smart lady, really thick accent. She's kind of hard to listen to, but she's really bright. So I would listen to her at a leadership conference called LeaderCast. It's broadcast out of Atlanta, Georgia, all across the world. And the Vineyard Church, we broadcast it. We are one of the sites that allows for us to receive that leadership content. Some of you may have attended that LeaderCast this past year. So Carolyn Leaf is talking to us, and, and she's giving her talk, and she said something that just really stuck with me. She said that we, a person, is 1% physical and 99% non-physical. 1%, which is your body, the physical part, your eyes, your hair, your, the color of your eyes and hair, the shape of your body, billions of cells that make up your physical body is only 1% of who you are. She claims that we are 99% non-physical, which is our mind, which makes you you, right? So I want to dive into what Carolyn said is the three things that make up our mind, that non-physical side of us. She said that we are thinking, feeling, and choosing machines. We think, we feel, and we choose. And that's what goes on in that non-physical mind of ours. So if we can go and take that as our, our plumb line of being a person, thinking, feeling, and choosing, let's go find Scripture and go see where the Holy Spirit is thinking, where the Holy Spirit is feeling, and where the Holy Spirit is choosing. You with me? Here we go. The first one is thinking, okay? The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind. In order to think, you have to have a mind, you have to have intellect, you have to have knowledge to be able to process thoughts and information. So let's go find scripture. In 1 Corinthians 2, 11, it says this. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things. He's in God's head. <laughs> he's in his mind, and he's searching his mind, knowing his thoughts and his information and his knowledge. Even the things that we can't even begin to fathom and understand, the deep things of God. It also says that who knows someone's thoughts except for their own spirit? Just like the guy I was trying to force joke earlier. I don't know what's going on in your head. I have no idea. I cannot read his thoughts. Only he knows his thoughts. Some people claim they can read your thoughts, but they can't. Only you know your thoughts. So when we think about God, we have to understand the Holy Spirit is the only one who can know God's thoughts. So get, therefore, the Holy Spirit has thoughts. The Holy Spirit can think. The Holy Spirit has intellect and knowledge and understanding. He can think. And this is good news for us that he has knowledge. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. And I know that's hard for us to understand, but he knows everything about everything because he's God. He has all knowledge and understanding, all truth. John 16, 3, or John 16, 13 says this. But when he, the Holy Spirit, again, he's a person, the spirit of truth, it's the Holy Spirit, just another name, comes, he will guide you into all truth. How can he guide you into all, all truth if he doesn't first know all truth? He has a mind, he has understanding, he has knowledge, he can think. And this is cool. He will not speak on his own will, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit's not his own identity. He doesn't have his own mind. He doesn't have his own plan. He doesn't have his own thoughts because he's God. Right? So he just has the thoughts of God and the, and the mind of God and the knowledge of God, and he wants to tell us. He wants to share it with us. He wants to be our helper. And Jen talked about this last week. He is your helper. He is your advocate. He is the one that will literally come alongside of you if you will accept Christ and the forgiveness of your sin and salvation. You will have the Holy Spirit, your helper, your friend, your advocate, and he wants to lead you in all truth. He wants to share God's thoughts and God's knowledge with you if you will just let him. 
And that's so cool. That's amazing for you and I. Because you have, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, right? If you've accepted that free gift from Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And then you would have the person who knows the answer to every question you may ever have right there. Access all the time. You have the person who knows the solution to every problem you may ever face inside of you and access all the time. And scripture tells us the Holy Spirit has committed himself to being your teacher. That fires me up. He's my teacher. He wants to show me. He wants to enlighten me. He wants to share God's plans and purpose for my life if I will let him. He's committed himself to doing that. He's got a mind. He's got knowledge. He's got thoughts. And he wants to impart those on us. It's incredible. It's amazing. Now, thinking, feeling, and choosing are the three things. We've just checked off the box thinking. Yes, he can think. The second one is feeling, but we're going to talk about our feelings at the end because no one likes to talk about your feelings. So we're going to jump to choosing, and we're going to talk about choosing, and then we'll get to our feelings at the end. Choosing. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. Let me connect choosing and will for a second. You have a will. You have a will. Not the legal document you sign with a lawyer and where your inheritance goes. Although you could put me in there if you wouldn't want to put me in. That'd be great. I'm not talking about that will. I'm talking about your desires. I'm talking about what you want for your life, right? Because typically what happens is we have desires or we have wants. We have a plan that we, that we desire to, to have someday. And then we make choices to kind of satisfy those desires or to satisfy those plans. So your will is directly tied to your decision-making. You agree? So I want to look in Scripture to where the Holy Spirit made decisions because the Holy Spirit has a will. Because he's God, and God has a will. God has a plan. And I want to correlate that the Holy Spirit is simply trying to reveal to us God's plan for humanity and for you and I specifically. In Acts 16, 6, I'm going to set it up for you. Paul and Silas, they're two apostles. They are going around. They're missionaries. They're teaching the gospel. And we pick it up here in Acts 16, 6. It says, Now when they, Paul and Silas, had gone through Persia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden, I've underlined it, look at that, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, if you read on a little bit later in Scripture, you'll see that they do eventually get to Asia. But in this moment, the Holy Spirit said no. He said stop. I'm forbidding you. I am not allowing you to go to Asia. Now, this word forbidden, if you're a parent, you get this. You understand what this is. Maybe you forbid your kids from staying up past 10 p.m., right? Go to bed. I forbid you from staying up. Or maybe you forbid them to use their cell phone, you know, at the dinner table or at night or something, right? Maybe you have to forbid your kids from eating too many sweets before dinner. And then you got to take them into the other room and do a little bit of forbidden, if you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, we get what this idea of forbidden means, Okay, you have the authority as a parent to exercise your will and say, no, I think this is what's best for you, right? This is what's best for you, so I'm not going to let you ruin your dinner by eating those sweets. You've exercised your will and your authority, and you can only do that because you are someone in a position of authority, right? The guy that I was trying to read his thoughts and choke him out, I'm forbidding him from going to McDonald's for lunch. No, I have no right to do so. He's going to walk up out here. He's going to go to McDonald's. And he's probably going to get lunch. I can't do that. I don't have the authority or the power or the ability to be able to forbid him from going to McDonald's. It takes someone in authority to exercise their will and forbid somebody. You see, and God, the Holy Spirit, can exercise his will if you'll ask. Let him reveal his plan. Make a decision for you. 
And guess what? A lot of times when you do that, when you ask God to, to help or to show you and, and to let his plan be done, it's not going to be what you wanted a lot of times. It's going to be the answer that is opposite or in, con, in, in contradiction to what maybe your plan or your desire was. And he'll make a decision that affects your life. He can choose. He can think and he can choose and he can exercise his will in your life. And here's the question I think we've all have asked. All of humanity's probably asked this. I think so. If you're a Jesus follower, you've asked it one way. If you're not a Jesus follower, you've asked it a different way. If you're following Christ, here's the question you've probably asked. How do I know God's will for my life? How can I know God's will for my life, God's plan for my life? And if you're not a Jesus follower, you've asked it this way. What on earth am I here for? Like, why do I exist as a human being on planet Earth? What is the purpose of life? We've all wrestled with this, haven't we? We have all wrestled with this. We want to know God's will. We want to go God's plan. We want to know why on earth we are here. And let me give you two ways in which you can know God's will or God's plan and purpose for your life. Number one is the general will of God, and then there's the specific will of God. The general will of God is found in Scripture. It's found in the Bible, okay? And, and the specific will of God is found by his hearing his voice and feeling his promptings. And that's individualistic among all of us, okay? Because yours is different than mine. But the general will of God, it it covers all of us, right? Let me give you an example. If you want to know what marriage is about or what it's supposed to be, the Bible will tell you that. It'll give you the specifics and the outline and kind kind of the structure and way in which a marriage should function and the way it was designed to function. But it will not tell you to marry the, the third girl from the end of the road tomorrow or next Sunday, right? It's not, it's not going to show you the exact person. The Bible is not going to show you or prompt you or lead you to the specific person. It'll give you the structure of marriage. And then you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to hear God's voice and his prompting to know who you are to marry. Think about it this way. Not going to tell you what job to get. Not going to tell you what business to start. Not going to tell you where to live geographically, what house to buy, what car to buy. But it will tell you, the Bible will tell you how to operate your household and maybe how to, op- or how to operate your finances and manage your finances. It'll tell you how to operate in your work environment with your coworkers and your boss, but it's not going to tell you the exact house or the exact car or the exact job. You got to be in tune with his voice. And the only way you can hear his voice and know his will is through the Holy Spirit. That relationship is so key and so vital for us understanding and, and, and discerning the specific will of God for your life. It's huge. It's important. So, specific will, general will, we got that. And so a lot of times what I, what I feel happens is in our lowest times, when, when we've kind of hit our crossroads, when we're at the end of our rope, our wits end, we typically find ourselves seeking God more and more. When we're on the highs, we got it, man. Psh, no worries, dude. I got it by myself. I don't need you. But then we plumb into a valley and then we start to seek God. Like, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. And if you want to hear God, you know, I want to encourage you in a way right here in scripture. But typically in our weakness, in our lowest times, is when God will, will maybe show up and speak to us. And it says this in Romans 8, 26 through 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. If you've accepted Christ and got the Spirit, the advocate, the helper living inside of you, he will help you in your weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever been there? <laughs> You're in a moment, a season in your life, a situation in your life, like I don't even know what to do, what to say, or even how to pray. I don't even know what to ask for, God. And it says this, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groan. He's already talking to God. He's already interceding on your behalf, making your requests known to God. He's already working without you even knowing what to say or what to pray. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit 
The mind of the Spirit, he has a mind. Just more proof. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit has a will, and it's the will of God. And he's searching your heart. He knows the problem beneath the problem that you don't even know about. And he's already asking God and working without you even asking about how his will, God's will can be fruition in your life, how it can come to be in your life. Even when you don't know what to do, he's working in your weakness in your lowest times. He's searching your heart he's no, he, because he knows God's thoughts. The Holy Spirit knows God's thoughts. He has his mind and his understanding, and he has his will. That's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God for your life. Even when you don't believe it or when you don't understand it or fully recognize it, he's still working in the background to get God's plan and purpose to happen, to unfold in your life. Some of you are asking me right now, I hope you're asking it in your brain because I would be, how do I hear God's voice? How do I actually discern God's voice and know what I am supposed to do? You know, it, it, it may not be an audible voice. Most of the time it's not. Some people have had that, that, that kind of experience where they've heard an audible voice of God, but it doesn't always have to be that way. It can be through scripture. You're reading it and, and, and scriptures just really resonate with you and they just stick in your heart and your mind. You can't shake it and you feel this restlessness over this scripture. Like I got to do something with this. You know, that can be the voice of God prompting you through his word. You know, we get in our prayer time. If we're just sitting quietly and just letting God talk or speak and giving him space to reveal himself to us, it may not be audible, but it may be an impression. Like a thought just keeps popping in your head that you can't shake. And you don't know where it came from, but that could be God speaking to you. And it'll be different for all of us. But here's what I want you to, to, to maybe take home with you, is if you want to hear God's voice, silence the world around you. Turn the news off. <laughs> Turn your phone off. I mean, my phone never shuts off, does it? Yours probably doesn't either. Just plug it in a nice on the end table and get it out. Shut it off for a while. Turn the TV off. Turn the radio off while you're driving. I love this one. I drive without the radio now because it's broken, but, you know, <laughs> I've, I've really started to embrace it. I don't have a radio because I don't have to sing along or listen to music. I can literally just sit and drive by myself having a conversation like he's in the passenger seat with me. And that's a powerful time I get to experience what God wants to say to me when I silence the world around me. And the scriptures tell us to be still and know that I'm God. Would you just be still and give him space so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you to give you God's plan and purpose for your life? And the most, the most memorable time to where I have known, know that God was speaking to me, undeniable that God was speaking to me, was when I was graduating college and I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I've shared this story before, so I'm going to keep it simple. If you want to hear the full story, we'll get some coffee sometime. You can hit me up. Seriously, we'll go get coffee. But here's the synopsis. I'm graduating college. My dream was to be a baseball coach. That's all I ever wanted to do. And then I had an offer to join the ministry team here full time coming out of college. I was like, God, I don't know what you want me to do. I have no idea what I am supposed to do and what decision I am supposed to make. I took about two and a half weeks and I was praying every single day. I searched the scriptures as much as I could to try to find the answer. I sought out wise counsel to talk with people that I thought would really be able to counsel me and help me make the right decision. And after every time I would pray, after every time I would search his word, and after every time I'd have a conversation with somebody, the only phrase, the only phrase that was in my brain was this, are you going to serve me or are you going to serve a game? Are you going to serve me or are you going to serve a game? And translating that to what it meant to me was I couldn't serve God through the game. 
the game would have consumed me and I wouldn't have had any space for him in my life. And I knew that and I realized that. And I said, God, you want me to do this. I know this is what you want me to do. This is how I am going to serve you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't serve God in coaching if you're a coach. I love it. Go coach, but serve God in it. Doesn't mean you can't serve God in your career. You should absolutely be serving God by whatever career and whatever job that you have. But for me, that's the decision that I had to make. And that was the voice of God prompting me to make that decision. And it took time, patience, prayer, wise counsel, scripture reading, and I just felt that nudge. It wasn't audible. It wasn't audible, but it was a relentless thought that I couldn't shake, that I knew it had to be from him. God has a will, and the Holy Spirit has a will. That's number two. He makes decisions. He can make decisions with you and for you if you will let him. And the final thing we're going to talk about is feelings. And all the girls are getting excited. All right, we're going to talk about our feelings. Let's go. All the guys are like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. Feelings. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Okay? So I want to dive in and look at some scripture where we see the Holy Spirit exhibiting people emotions. In Romans 15, 30, it says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. In the love, by the love of the Spirit, the Spirit of God can feel love and he can exhibit love. He can show love. So he knows what it means. He understands what love is. In Galatians 5, 22, it is one of the iconic uh, breakdowns of the fruit of the Spirit. It gives us the list of what the fruit of the Spirit are. And we did a whole sermon series last year called Fruit Ninja. You might have been here. If you, if you want to go learn more about the fruit of the Spirit, specifically, go back on our website. You can find the series called Fruit Ninja. I'm going to read this to you. Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This list is characteristics of a person. Are they not? They're characteristics of a person. Now, I'm going to say something that you might not agree with, but this is my thoughts. This is just my kind of, you know, my brain, whatever. Take it for what it is, okay? I think that you cannot have these characteristics without the Holy Spirit. You can't have them. You cannot possess these characteristics without the Holy Spirit. Some of you are thinking, well, I mean, I'm kind, you know? I'm kind, I, I, you know, and, and, and maybe there's some people in your life that, that, you, uh, that you know that aren't Jesus followers, but you're like, man, they're just really patient, you know? But I would say that you have your version of patience. You have what you think is kindness. You have what you think is gentleness and self-control until you don't have it anymore. You have your version of it. I would say that the Holy Spirit is the only way in which you can possess these characteristics in their intended pure form. And you can have all of them simultaneously. Not just that kind person that you know, but that you can have all of these fruits of the Spirit. And they're characteristics of a person. Now think about that person that's not a Jesus follower, that has that predisposition wiring to be kind. You probably have somebody in your mind, maybe. Okay? They probably learned, was taught how to be kind. They didn't just naturally be born and came out of the womb with all of these characteristics. No. You have to be taught these things. And I believe the Holy Spirit committing himself to be your teacher wants to teach you how to have all of these characteristics. So if you want to be patient, kind, gentle, and self-control and loving, all of those things, the Holy Spirit is the only way you can have those characteristics. He's a person with those characteristics, and he wants to teach you those characteristics. And we see that joy in there is an emotion, and love in there is an emotion. So he has emotions. He has feelings. 
And if you want to feel what God feels, the Holy Spirit's the only way you can feel what God feels. And let me share with you a quick story. It just happened last Sunday, actually, to where I got to feel the heart of God. It was incredible. The Holy Spirit let me feel God's heart. And we were at Cracker Barrel. We were driving back from North Myrtle Beach. I got to spend a week down at North Myrtle Beach with my, my wife's side of the family, mom, dad, aunt and uncle, some cousins and brother and sisters, 10 of us. There's 10 of us. And we went down there for a week. And on the way back home, we're driving. It was Sunday. It was about 3 o'clock, and we're hungry. So we stop at Cracker Barrel. It's one of our favorite spots to stop and eat. So we're getting dinner, 3 o'clock, lunch, dinner, whatever. Dinner on Sunday at 3 o'clock. We're sitting there at the table. I'm here at the end, and all my family is on this end. Emily's right across from me. And, and I keep noticing out of the corner of my eye over here sits a, a woman, an elderly woman all by herself. And I just said, ah, I'm thinking in my brain, she's waiting on somebody. She got her drink. We got our drinks. She got her food. We got our food. Nobody else showed up at that table for her. She's by herself. She ate her food. Then, she, then our food came. And we're having a great time. We're talking, conversing, eating our food, enjoying our dinner. And I keep noticing this woman by herself. And eventually her food came and went, and then she was getting her dessert. And I heard her order her dessert. And I felt like God spoke to me, and I felt like there was a nudge to, to look and see if she was married. And I looked at her ring finger, and she never ring. And I felt like God was, was revealing to me that she was lonely. She was lonely. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have, she didn't have family. You, know, who, who, you should not have to eat alone without family on a Sunday at 3 o'clock at Cracker Barrel. You shouldn't have to do that. And I'm getting, I'm getting weepy, man. I'm getting, like, emotional on the inside. I'm trying to hide it from my family. I'm kind of embarrassed, you know. Like, and I'm watching her, and I felt like God was speaking to me, saying, no one was meant to be alone. No one was meant to be alone. And the way we say it around here is all people need people. And we believe that. Look, God in the beginning, he's three persons in one. He had community, intimate community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we are made in his image. You were not made to be alone. You were made to be an intimate community with at least a few people. That's how we were designed. So if you're lonely, my, my, my encouragement to you today is find people in this church. Who, they would love to have you be part of their group, part of their community. Have some friends. And don't be lonely anymore. You were never designed to be alone. I got to feel the heart of God because loneliness breaks the heart of God. And, and, and the Holy Spirit allowed me to feel what God was feeling in that moment, Cracker Barrel, last Sunday at Leonard time. It was amazing. It was incredible. If you want to feel what God feels, the Holy Spirit is the only way you can feel what God feels. Now, the final emotion that I want to hang on is found in Ephesians 4.30. And it's a big one. It talks about grief. And it talks about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. It says this in Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, so therefore we can cause grief to the Holy Spirit because we're commanded to not. Another translation says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. So there is some stuff that we can do that causes the heart of God, the heart of the Holy Spirit, to feel grief, to suffer from grief. Grief is an emotion, a very intense emotion. It's not just some temporary sadness. And there's things that we can do that cause the heart of God to break. And when I read this, I go, well, what are the things that break his heart? I want to know so that, that way I don't do them. Well, let's go back up a few more verses to verse 25, and it gives us a really nice list. So stop telling lies, because that breaks the heart of God. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you were still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger breaks the heart of God. When anger consumes your life, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. You're breaking the heart of God. 
If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Struggled with that one. Yes. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't use foul language. Quit stealing. Quit doing these things because it grieves the heart of God. And if you go right below the verse where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, in verse 31, it gives a really nice, concise list. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That list is pretty detailed. But the broader scope of what breaks the heart of God is sin. It is sin. The things that we do that are in rebellion against God are sin. And therefore, that's what breaks his heart, causes him deep distress. The Holy Spirit is grieved over our sin. And I said grief isn't just temporary sadness. It's deep distress. And, and, and let, me, let me tap into that emotion of grief with you real quick. Okay, if you've lost a loved one, you've experienced grief. We grieve when we lose somebody that we love. And for instance, let me just paint it this way. If, if the person that you lo- lost was, uh, or, or the person that you loved uh, was a follower of Christ, and you are a follower of Christ, you can know and have the promise of assurance that you will see them again in eternity, right? So you're not grieving because you're not going to see them again. You're grieving because you've lost intimacy with that person. And what I mean by that is you can't hold their hand anymore, can you? You can't give them a bear hug anymore, can you? You can't touch them. You can't have conversation with them anymore in this life. You can't, you can't share memories and stories. You can't make new memories or new stories with that person because they're gone. That's the intimacy that we lose. But we have promise we'll see them again if we're going to heaven, but we don't have the intimacy, the ability to touch and feel and talk and have conversation with that person. That's what is broken, the intimacy. Think about it this way. In a marriage, okay? In a marriage, if somebody has stepped outside of the bounds of marriage and been unfaithful and fooled around with somebody that they shouldn't have been fooling around with, guess what? The intimacy in that relationship is shattered. It's broken. Now, you have made, you, if you've been in that situation or hypothetically, you can still stay married, can't you? And I commend you and I have respect for you for trying to work through it. All of that, amazing. You're still married, but guess what? There might not be physical touch in that marriage. There might not be deep conversations about your wants and needs and desires anymore, is there? Because the intimacy of that marriage has been broken because of a sin. And the same thing is true with our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can break the intimacy of our relationship with him by holding on to our sin. By holding on to our sin. A lot of times we do this. We have our little sin or we have, you know, yours might be bigger, mine might be littler, yours might be littler, mine might be bigger, whatever. Your sin. You're kind of stiff-arming God saying, I don't need you in this. I got this, man. This is, this is all good, you know? And then when you get in a low valley where you want God to speak and show you his will, you're like, man, I need you. Can you, can you give me your thoughts and give me your will and give me your insight? And he's silent because the intimacy is broken because you, you're holding on to sin in your life. So I'll say this. If you want to hear the voice of God, quit holding on to the sin in your life. If you want to hear the voice of God, you got to quit holding on to that sin, big or small, doesn't matter. Get rid of it. So the intimacy of your relationship is not grieved. So the Holy Spirit's heart is not broken. And you can walk hand in hand right beside him as your helper, as your advocate, the one who will come alongside of you. Do not break that intimacy. Because if you want to hear from God, you've got to get rid of that sin in your life. I'm going to challenge you. If you've got a sin in your life and you're a Jesus follower, 
Stop. <laughs> Get rid of it. And I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to paint this picture for you, the road to freedom. Because freedom is a road. Freedom from that sin is a road, not an instantaneous thing. When you've accepted Christ, yeah, you're forgiven, and the Holy Spirit can come inside of you. But you have to every single day make a decision and walk the road of freedom. Because think about it. Bondage or slavery or addiction isn't an instantaneous thing, is it? Not the first hit. You're not going to get addicted on the first hit. You might, there's some serious drugs out there that might do it, but, but for your sin, whatever it is, it's not the first time you've done it. It's down the road of continually sinning and sinning and sinning and doing it over and over and over again that you become trapped and a bondage and in slavery to that sin. Same thing's true with freedom. You've got to walk on the road to freedom. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to be a journey with Christ, the one who has God's thoughts, the one who has God's mind, the one who has God's will, and the one who wants to show you and help you and teach you is living inside of you if you will accept it. And if you will invest in that relationship, you can be set free from that sin. And if you want to hear the voice of God, make that commitment to get free from that sin in your life. The Holy Spirit's a person. He can think, he can feel, and he can choose. And he's committed himself to you to help you think right, to help you feel the way that God feels, and to help you have the will of God play out in your life if you'll let him. So I'm challenging all of us, invest in that relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is the way in which you can communicate with God and the way in which you can know God's plan and purpose for your life. And stop sinning. Get rid of that thing, however big or small it is. Get rid of it from your life. And Jesus can help you do that. The Holy Spirit can help you do that and overcome that and get set free. We're going to sing a song. It's called No Longer Slaves. And this song is so fitting because we can, no longer be, we, we can no longer be a slave to sin. We can overcome it. We can be set free from it. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, the band's going to come out, and we're going to sing a song. So, Father God, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continually fill us. Give us your thoughts, God, through the Holy Spirit. God, give us, give us your insight. Give us your will. Give us your emotions and your feelings, and, and help us to be more in tune with you. And God, help us to get rid of those sins in our life, those things big and small, God, so that we can be set free and that you can communicate with us and we can know your plans and we can know your will, we can know your purpose. And Father, that we can have the life that we've always wanted. And I pray that you would empower us, Holy Spirit. Continue to lead God and direct us and pour yourself out over us this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.